Father Joseph Anthony Cress, and welcome to God's Planning. Thank you to all of our listeners and supporters on Patreon. If you would like to support us, please follow the link in the show notes or the description below the video. Um, please share this episode and uh, you know, like, subscribe, follow, give a thumbs up or whatever it is on whatever platform and app that you do. We appreciate the support, the reviews, and all of the love. Thank you so much for joining us this day. I'm very excited uh, to have a friend of mine, Andrew Robinson, uh, on for this episode of Guest Planning. Andrew, would you mind just kind of giving us a quick uh, intro to yourself, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, well, certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here. It's my pleasure. Uh, I always love hanging out with good people, especially good priests, and it's a pleasure to be on this call, uh, on this video with you, Father Joseph Anthony. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Uh, a little bit about myself. Myself, I live in Texas, um, mm -hmm. which is just uh, one of the best places to be in the world, right? Uh, I live in College Station, which is even one of the more best places to live. Uh, so if I drop in any uh, Texanum references or Aggie references, then please. Oh, my uh, gosh. Just Gagum, <laughs> baby. Gagum. Those are coming. It's, I, I can't. It's just it's just built into my DNA at this point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've uh, I've got four kids. Uh, my second grader just received her first communion this last weekend. So we're very grateful for that, trying to raise up good Catholic kids and who will ultimately become good and productive and, uh, you know, um, contributional Catholics to the world. Um, in that vein, I also run a Catholic consulting company. We work with nonprofits, primarily Catholic parishes, campus ministries, schools, churches, uh, nonprofits, and we teach fundraising. So I like mm -hmm. to tell people that the three greatest fears in people's lives, as documented, are asking for money, speaking in public, and dying, usually in that order. So <laughs> most people <laughs> would rather die than ask for money. But, you know, oh I found gosh. my way into this, oh my gosh. into this life. Oh, gosh, almost 20 years ago. I love it. And now I get to work with great organizations to teach them how to do it a little bit better. That's awesome. Uh, I guess we should open up and, and uh, give two full disclosures. Uh, the first is I do work with you, and that's how we've become uh, friends over the years. Uh, you've been a great asset and help for our campus ministry here at the University of Virginia, all of our fundraising efforts. And, um, you know, we're currently in the middle of a capital campaign for the campus ministry, and it's been a joy to work with you uh, and to kind of have that collaboration and go into it. The second thing that I think full disclosure for today is simply – um, I think the title of today's episode is just going to be simple. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all <laughs> about right. the Benjamins. All I do is win, win, <laughs> win, no matter what. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Just for the record, I didn't. Uh, but that is the theme song of my life. If I had a walk-up uh, okay, song, <laughs> that's where it would be. All right, there just for go. the record. Yeah, Those okay, who know, right. know. Okay. Um, but yes, we are talking about money today. Like This is the whole purpose of this episode is that we can dive into – um, giving, tithing, philanthropy, what, what Catholic relationship with the dollar dollar bills. Like it's, it's something that is like very much kind of seen as a dirty necessity. And I think we all, you know, I, I remember one of your conferences, one of your speakers said something that is like, we all have our own certain relationships with money, our certain baggage right. with finances and money that we come and bring into, uh, you know, things like fundraising or tithing or things like that. So I think one of the things that we want to start off with talking about is like, how do 
Catholics tithe or like why why is there should be this understanding about giving financially to different projects and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I get that all the time, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm a good Catholic. I go to Mass, right? I talked about my kids. I take them to Mass. I get them, uh, you know, baptized. Uh, we're doing Holy Communion. So what is it about money? What is it about giving that is necessary and important in my life? Um, the Bible is literally full of references about giving, uh, about um, tithing, as you said. But I think that uh, the way that I like to approach it and the way that I like to kind of have this conversation with people, whether they are, you know, young in their in their life, just getting started or whether they've been around the block a couple of times is um, tithing and uh, sort of giving to the church should be based more in a spirit of generosity than necessarily a spirit of mm. um, uh, what am I going to get out of this? Right. So you're right. People okay. have a have relationships with money, um, and you know that's we all do. Some of the some people you know they grew up with uh, very little money, and so then the, when they start making it, they're like, no, I want to hold on to all of this because I don't know what's coming. My yeah. my grandfather when he passed away, gosh, twenty something years ago. Uh, I remember cleaning out his garage and we just found boxes and of cleaners of toilet paper of paper towels and i remember i mean boxes <laughs> it was it was Whoa. weird and i remember asking my mom like what happened here why did pop-up have all this you know this simple green and he said well he was a he was a um a depression baby and when they saw a sale on something or when they had money they went and they bought every all they could and that mm. attitude that idea just sort of stayed with him his whole life and so a lot of people that's how they feel about money it's like i i didn't have a lot so now that i have mm -hmm. some i want to keep it all to myself um you know other people have different relationships of money where they feel like they can use money to control or they've been controlled with money and so they're like oh yeah i don't, yeah. I don't want to I, you know i don't either I want to control with money, right? Which is, you know, uh, that's uh, one thing, but I don't want to feel like my giving to the church is telling father what to do, or, you know, I want to leave <laughs> that to, to the priest. So I really think that, um, you know, I, I've started doing a lot of writing and research on this idea of radical generosity. And that idea, now that I've been sort of exploring it and living with it, it's, it's just sort of transformed my idea and my attitudes about money. And I'll give you a really short example. Uh, and this ties back to tithing and, and generosity okay. in a minute. Um, so I'm, uh, I was driving home the other day and I stopped at this stoplight and mm -hmm. I was in the right-hand lane. I had to turn right. And it was a busy intersection. And I looked in the intersection and there's these two pieces of wood, like lumber fell out of somebody's truck. They're laying in the middle of the intersection. And my first mm -hmm. thought was, huh, that's dangerous. Somebody should go and pick those up. And then I start turning and I immediately thought, wait a minute. Why am I not the one who's going to pick up that lumber? Why yeah. am I waiting for somebody else to take this task up to protect other people? And I turned and I was like, oh, I was immediately convicted. And I turned and I went all the way around this bit weird intersection. I got back, took me about two minutes and the lumber was gone. And I thought, all right, well, somebody else stepped up. Somebody else said, I need to do mm -hmm. that. I, I see a need. I see a problem. I'm going to go ahead and step up. Um, and so, but that, that sort of attitude, that incident really stayed with me. And so I think that it's more about living our lives in a way of how can we practice generosity in all ways and how can we live our faith in in all ways and when you put those two together it tithing is important but it's really a spirit of generosity it's how can i be of service to others how can i help and how can i make a difference and that's through my time my talent of course but then also my treasure plays a big part of that as well i mean 
this is this is a beautiful understanding too is like that we to kind of inculcate that spirit of generosity is going to be the motivator for all these things and i think we do see a lot of times that there is this kind of pressure and obligation. I remember having this conversation on a previous episode, the concept of obligation of, okay, you got to be forced to, you got to go to Sunday mass. Why? Because you're obligated to, you got to do these things. Why? Cause you got to, and this is the requirements or criteria for being a good Catholic is you got to tithe. Now, moving away from that kind of obligation while it's still there, right? You know, we are still expected to give 10%. Now is that 10% gross or is that 10% after taxes? I mean, we can get into all that, but you know, we, we are still expected to be tithing, but that's, that's a difficult thing to move away from this kind of expectation obligation mentality into real generosity. Um, I mean, how do you do that? Why do you do that? Yeah, the I have, like I said, I have four kids and anytime I tell them you have to go do this immediately, they're like, oh, I don't want to, it's, you know, it's just like human nature, right? And <laughs> Never it's like, mind, don't want to. <laughs> but you know, if I take the Tom Sawyer approach of saying, oh, painting this paint, this fence is really fun. Anybody want to join me? They're like, hey, yeah, let me give you a paintbrush. So, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, we hear this and, you know, and I work with with individuals, with Catholics of, of all age groups. And anytime you hear this, like you have to do this, there's like this immediate feeling of, ooh, he's telling me I have to. I don't know that I really want to now, even though I, I might have wanted to before you said I had to. So I think how do you move into this uh, spirit of generosity versus obligation? Uh, I'll give you another example. Um, I. Uh, met with a couple, a young couple. They were probably in their late 20s and they just had their first child. And Greg and Julie Stevens out in Nebraska. And Greg had been a tither his whole life, right? And he uh -huh. was an engineer. He had spreadsheets and he knew exactly like to the penny, right? How much Let's he go. was going to It's all give. conditionally formatted, <laughs> color-coded yeah. out. My man, to go back and change the formulas, you know, and all this stuff. Um, and so he got married and his, his wife, you know, was young she's right out of college and she was like yeah I, you know i give to the church and he said oh well here's the spreadsheet let's talk about how much we're going to give and she said that her feeling was very much like a oh i didn't know he was serious about both of us like i thought that mm. was his thing and he said well let's let's talk about how we can you know sort of make this journey a, a an enjoyable experience for you and so she said that they went through you know at the i don't know it's end of the year end of the quarter and she knew how much her gift was, you know, supposed to be according to the spreadsheet. And um, she said, well, I want to pick a group that is meaningful to me. And so she had been really touched by the Pink Sisters, which is this religious group out in Nebraska. And so she said, I, I wrote my check and because we hadn't joined our, our bank accounts yet, I think I wrote my check and I took it down and I met with them and I gave them the check. And she said it was the most emotionally sort of uplifting experience for me. And she said, I went back home and I immediately asked Greg, like, all right, when's my next check? When, when who am I next? You know? And so it was very oh, much, uh, it was an experience for her where she had to, uh, you know, it wasn't just enough that she said, all right, well, I have to give. So here's what I'm supposed to give. And so here's my check. It was, no, I want to give, I, or I'm supposed to give, you know, obligated, but now I want to. And so by wanting to, I'm going to pick a group that is meaningful to me. And so that was her sort of transition into this world um, of, uh, you know, sort of a, of uh, proper tithing at that 10% level. Right. And so what I tell people all the time is like, if this is a challenge for you, if you're, you know, thinking, well, I don't have money or I don't know what I want to give. 
like pick groups that are really meaningful to you and mm -hmm, make mm -hmm. it an experience. And I promise you, anybody that I've that I've told that to that has done that, they have more or less the same exact experience of I thought that this was going to be, you know, I, I thought it was going to give me anxiety about writing this check. Yeah, I thought this was going to yeah, give yeah. me, you know, pressure. And at the end of the day, I was so excited that I was able to make a difference that I was able to be mm. generous that it 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 got me hooked it now I yeah. now I'm looking for opportunities and that's what radical generosity is is right it's not about just sort of being reactive to when people when you get a letter in the mail or you got a Sunday mm -hmm, mass and mm -hmm. the basket comes around it's about embracing the idea that if we want to be fulfilled in our life if we want to live our in this instance if we want to live our faith fully we want to look for opportunities we are called to look for opportunities where we can be generous with our time yeah. with our talent and then also with our treasure in ways that are meaningful and fulfilling to the recipient and then also to us mm -hmm. okay i love that that story is unbelievable uh for so many different reasons love greg's uh enthusiasm for his spreadsheets um <laughs> But there's so many different elements that are, are great about that. And I, I think it brings up and I, for me, brings up two questions. So we'll, we'll dive into that. One is, I think, uh, probably a new concept of tithing, you know, within our church is like, okay, when we talk about 10%, you know, is that 10% directly to the local parish? Is that 10% to the diocese? Is that 10% to a ministry or things like that? So maybe we can break that, you know, how we tied 10 percent, but right. what does that look like in a really contemporary society that's probably radically different than you know previous generations um right. that we can look at but the so we're going to table that question first okay, perfect the one i want to go for and maybe we'll never come back to the tithing issue but the one i want to go for is the beauty of um the fact that generosity fundraising tithing is actually relationship it's it's a relational 100%. experience. Yep. So the fact that she wrote a check and it's not just direct deposit, she's not just like shifting digital currency and crypto over, which by the way, if your parish accepts crypto, that's a whole nother conversation. Like that passing the basket, they just take crypto. Anyway, <laughs> I'm spiraling. Um but that's exactly like, where I thought we would go with this, of course. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, <laughs> uh, the demands for uh, t crypto tithing, um, but <laughs> the generosity in a financial capacity is about relationships. The fact that she wrote a check and went directly to those pink sisters and handed it over and saw the effect that it would have and saw the the, uh, the not just the radical generosity, but the radical reception to right. to receive somebody's gift. And that I think there's a struggle sometimes that when you just, you know, throw the coins in the basket, you never see that again, right? When you just then, you know, transfer, you know, funds from a bank account to another, but there isn't that personal connection, you don't understand, um, or there isn't that relationship aspect of it. That's why there's a lot of like, I think a failure in generosity and failure in, in fundraising in the Catholic world is because there's that expectation that you got to do this out of obligation. So give me your money. You have money. We need it. Give it to me without the investment of like, actually, let's build this relationship here. So I love how she like what got her hooked was the relational response to a gift. Yeah. I don't know how much that money was. I don't know. It could have been $5, $50 or five mil, but there was a response to a gift that was given and it's like that spurs on that generosity. So how, like, yeah, how, what's some of your advice to like, say like, okay, let's not just make a faceless monetary gift about things, but let's, let's move into a relational um, aspect of tithing. 
Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of things there, and and I love all these questions. So, um, you know, when we think about our relationship, right? So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a professional fundraiser. I have been for 20 years. My job is to build relationships with people and, and get to know them, find out what they want to accomplish in their life, kind of what their philanthropic uh, goals are, and then see if that's a match with our organization, right? Not every mm -hmm, parish, mm -hmm. not every organization has a development director like me. But the truth of the matter is, is that when I, so let's say, you know, I'm, I'm working for a university, right? Or a campus ministry. When I go and I meet with somebody and talk to them, the relationship typically uh, is not starting. I'm not the first person of that organization that they have ever had an encounter with. They went to mm -hmm. school at the university, right? They sat in mass right. at the campus ministry. They had those experiences that were that that positively or negatively impacted them much earlier in their life, right? And now all I'm doing as the fundraiser is giving them, explaining kind of how they can impact future generations of mm -hmm. um, whatever they are, alumni, students, parishioners, whatever it is. Um, so I think that it's important, you know, from, uh, and then I'll go somewhere with this, from a, just an institutional standpoint is to recognize that your donors, you're not the first time that they've ever encountered that organization, right? They have a relationship mm -hmm. with the organization. Maybe it's a teacher uh, a long time ago. Maybe it's a, a campus minister. Maybe it's, um, you know, for a, a pro-life organization. Maybe it's, you know, somebody that they met in a, in a parking lot when they were standing out and praying, right? Who knows <laughs> what the organization and that relationship is. But those relationships that we have are sort of baked throughout an institution and that institution's history. So that's mm -hmm. the first one. Mm -hmm. The second piece, though, is I think you touched on a point about education, and we always talk about, you know, ph uh, philanthropy needs more education, right? We need to be, as a nonprofit community, we need to be educating our donors, which is 100% right, right. true. But the reality, and this goes back to that uh, relationship with money, the reality is that when when you're a Sunday mass goer and you put your collection, you know, you put your gift into that basket on Sunday, um, or you respond to an appeal, you get, I would say, I don't know the numbers on this, but I would say probably nine times out of 10, you don't have a thought of what the difference that your dollar, your $5, your $500, your $5 million, you don't know what difference that's making, right? You're putting it in there mm -hmm. because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you've always done, but you don't know what it's doing. There's a huge opportunity and it's a very simple opportunity that, that parish priests, that directors can, can do with their, mm -hmm. with educating their donors on just explaining kind of what it takes to run a ministry. You know, how many, you're, you're a priest, right? How many times have somebody I am, said, I am. father, you just work on Sunday, right? Like, I mean, that's yep. the reality of, you know, what do you do that's the rest it. of the week? You know, and you're like, ah, if only <laughs> they do. Right. And the reality is, is that most Catholics, they have this very narrow understanding of what church is that it's mm -hmm, mass mm -hmm. on Sunday. It's that hour that I spend. And it, that, that they're not thinking about, or they're not aware of, this is the, this is the vastness. This is the breadth and the depth of that parish, of that ministry, yeah. of that organization. And, um, and if we want to, and this is the impact that we make in the community, in people's lives mm -hmm. 20 years ago, 100 years ago, and today and 10 years in the future. And so if you want to be part of that mission, that full mission, here's how you can help. Here's what mm -hmm. that money will go to. Um, and yeah. so, you know, just looking for opportunities as a as a priest, as a uh, as a director, as a staff member of this is what you know, I don't know if you knew this, but it actually costs us, you know, whatever, $1,500 to do every week to do our Sunday night sip, supper or our, mm -hmm. you know, Wednesday night bake. And 
just sort of educating people on the the true cost of to run a ministry is really helpful from a donor standpoint to say i'm not throwing my money in and it's just disappearing or it's not being used but here's here's the impact that's actually making and that strengthens that trust and strengthens that relationship significantly yeah i think it's it's really fascinating to talk about like educating educating your donors on the impact and um as as a form of building that relationship um i also think you know if we want to what i'm learning from this kind of conversation is like yeah i think it's important that everybody gives their donation directly into the hand of the priest and has to look them (laughs) in the eyes as they say this is my donation (laughs) for receiving line after mass right yeah yeah, that's exactly that's it hey new model for sunday offering just give it directly to my hand no no that's bad okay there we have finance councils we have oversight like for the record this there's a lot of oversight to make sure that there's a financial um stability but just think about the the generosity that you as a priest are showing to your donors by allowing them to understand the impact that their right. gift is making. Yes. Right. So That's we think so like, important. you know, I'm a priest. I have to, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want people to know how much it actually costs to run this church. Who knows why? Maybe I'm embarrassed that we have so many people on staff, right? Which is a shame. Maybe I'm embarrassed. I'm by them. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe if I talk about, you know, it actually costs us a million dollars a year in our budget to run this ministry and our school and our, our, you know, uh, weekly offerings and our Sunday mass and our outreach ministries. People are going to say, oh, that's a lot of money, Father. You know, and so whatever the, the concern is, like we hold priests and directors, we hold that information sort of secret mm-hmm. to some extent. And so then we're asking our donors to say, well, just keep giving, right? I'm not going to tell you what it's used for. Just keep doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. But that, yeah. but by you actually sharing the information and by educating your, your parishioners, your donors, that is a huge act of generosity because then they can say, wow, I actually am making a difference. I didn't realize that my Sunday collection was being used to feed the to make meals for the homeless community four nights out of the week, right? I didn't mm-hmm. realize that my gift is actually funding the salary of these tremendous people that are sacrificing, you know, daily to serve the church and and their family and they're making an impact and my gift is actually helping to put fun mo- food on their children's right. tables, right? Like it's a ge- act of generosity you to share and to educate the donors as well. Point. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a two-way street in that generosity. Not only is it the generosity of the people to fund it, but it's also to take the time and generosity to uh, kind of give that follow-up. And I think that's something that, we'll, uh, you know, I, we built our campus ministry on a relational ministry. And that's why like, I think we collaborate well uh, with understanding fundraising as a relationship. Um, is because there's always going to be an invitation, but there's intentional follow-up that goes on. Like no relationship doesn't have those two aspects, an invitation and a follow-up. And so that kind of generosity from our end, being the institution, the organization is to follow up on that. And to be honest, if you're giving to an organization that isn't explaining it, isn't following up, maybe think of something else. Yeah. Um, Or ask them. Right. Like, or ask them, right? I mean, that's, you know, we, we we can claim some ownership ourselves as donors, oh, right? Yeah. Like, we mm-hmm. don't have to mm-hmm. say it's all on the nonprofit. It's all on Father to tell me. Like, if if you want to know more about what the impact of your gift is, go and ask. and and ask. And I I can you know I can't guarantee you, but I can promise you that the majority of church leaders staff. They're going to be happy to tell you, right? They're going to be proud to show off the work that you're helping to accomplish and they're going to be glad. And that's going to build that, build that trust. Um, 
I want to go back to your other question uh, before we uh, forget it, because I think it's an important oh. piece, like, you know, the, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. 10%, right? Um, I was uh, working with a client and they were, we were in Chicago and they, we sat down and had lunch with this. Um, he was an attorney and, you know, uh, he had had a couple of degrees and he was supporting this organization. And uh, uh, my buddy, Steve, who was a development director, he, he, Steve said, Hey, you know, I don't know his name, John, like, where does our organization rank in your kind of philanthropy? Are we like top five, top 10? He goes, Oh God, Steve, if I had to guess, I'd say you're like number 42. And we were like, what? And so first of all, that was, you know, the fact that he was like having lunch with us and taking this time and we're only number 42, wow. like that was very generous on his part. But then the other reality was he, you know, in this modern day and age, right? He had a lot of nonprofits, a lot of organizations mm -hmm. he was very mm -hmm. passionate about. You know, he went through his list. He was like, Steve, I've got three degrees. My wife has three degrees. I've got four kids in college. I've got, you know, the, my, my parish, I've got, you know, uh, boy scouts. I've got, you know, all of these things that I support. Oh, wow. I love all of them, but there's a limited supply. There's a, you know, there, there's sort of a, mm -hmm. a, you know, um, some limits that I have just on how much I can support. So the, the reality is to your point, like none of your parishioners that are sitting there, well, maybe some sitting there during Sunday, the, the, the check that they write to your church is not the only check that they're writing. So there's a lot of mm -hmm. charities out there that they are passionate about and supporting of. So how can we as um, nonprofits, as whether that's parish priests, whether that's, you know, uh, ministry leaders, how can we sort of make it easy for our donors and explain it? So one, one practice that I have seen a lot of people um, uh, implement is you take that 10% of my tithe, right? That's what mm -hmm. I want to give away. And I'm sure uh, Greg did this on a spreadsheet. 5% goes to the local parish, right? 3% mm -hmm. goes to, or 2% goes to the diocese or diocesan programming. And then 3% goes to those other, all those other nonprofits that they're really passionate about that are making a difference in, in their lives and yeah. in other people's lives. And so if you think about that, like, all right, now I can be a little bit more intentional about my giving. I can set up my budget. Maybe it's not a spreadsheet, but I can like think, all right, I want to give this much to the parish because I, I'm there every Sunday, right? My kids are mm -hmm, baptized mm -hmm. there. I want to get buried there. You know, I, I want a, 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 I want to have a, a long-term relationship with them and I, and I want to support them. But here's all the other organizations and here's a, a very simple metric to sort of think, how can I make a difference in all these other areas? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because there, there's that kind of pressure sometimes it's like, okay, I got to hit my 10%, but does that all have to go to my parish? And like, right. you know, everybody is then kind of knocking on my door and everybody, everybody wants their 10%, but like, can I do this? And it's like, I think that's kind of a way to, you know, sometimes you need those boundaries and those, um, I don't know, directing guidelines. It's permission, to right? Say, like we're giving yeah, everybody permission. permission. Support your church, but, but then that, also look for the nonprofits that are making a difference in other people's lives that you exactly. care about. And but that that means that you have to make some hard decisions, and maybe you, you're tapped out. You know, maybe you did your your uh, percentage is out, and somebody new comes up, and you're like, actually, I'm already tapped out, but come back to me next year, and then we can reevaluate. But sometimes, like very few people have endless financial resources, and you're going to have to say no to some really good ministries out there. But this gives you the ability to prioritize and have some direction there, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, as we kind of get near the end, um, I mean, I could keep talking about this forever, uh, but I want to bring up something that has uh, de definitely influenced me and I know that it is important for you as well. There's a book uh, called The Spirituality of Fundraising by, um, what's Harry his Robinson. name, Nowen. Oh, Spirituality of Fundraising, no. yeah, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, Harry, yeah, that's uh, Henry Nowen, yeah. 
Henry Nowen. Uh, Carrie Robinson wrote another really, really good book. Imagining on, Abundance, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Spirituality of Fundraising by uh, Henry Nowen. And one of the lines that he had in there that just like broke open my mind and my heart to this is uh, um, when doing fundraising in a Catholic perspective, you're helping the individual dispossess themselves of their earthly wealth right? so that they can be prepared to receive an eternal wealth. And so it's helping that person kind of detach themselves in their heart of hearts from an earthly wealth right? so that they can be prepared to receive eternity, receive the greatest wealth, which is God himself. And so to not be afraid of that. So I think, you know, thinking along those lines, you know, to how do we encourage people to that radical generosity, but also to not just see it as this emptying, but it's actually a preparation for eternity and to build the kingdom within one's heart. So sometimes, you know, wealth being the poison that it is, the Lord talks a lot about how difficult it is for wealthy people to enter the kingdom of God, but to be able to dispossess themselves of that, to build that kingdom within their life. So like, how do we kind of help that in uh, mentality, but encourage each other to such actions? Yeah, I think that's a, a, a very, uh, I love Henry now, and we're actually working on a new mm -hmm. podcast that's going to break down all those chapters uh, with really fantastic discussion and interviews specifically about Shout that. Out. Yeah, I'm really- well, Where can uh, we find that? Like self-promotion, <laughs> let's go with it. Where can we find this? It's coming up. Yeah, so uh, uh, so I think that that one is so I run a podcast network as well, and so uh, called Backrow Media, and we're producing a lot of content and new podcasts over mm -hmm. there. And I think that that's where this one will be. So um, whenever that is available, I think we're looking for like a June or July uh, launch Great. to that. You're just going to Google spirituality fundraising Henry Nowen, and it'll be on all the players, Spotify, Perfect. Apple, all that. Um, so, uh, but but the reason we're doing that is because there's so much. Uh, there's so much fruit. There's so much that's in that uh, little book that is incredibly impactful. Um, and we want to get that out there. So I think your point is an excellent one, right? And I heard this analogy and, and I'm going to screw it up. Uh, maybe I shouldn't use it. But, you know, we're going with that, right? Yeah. Just make it your own. Just make it your own at this point. But, okay. but you know, how many of us had grandparents who had you know, couches that were in like the sitting room or maybe parents in the mm -hmm, sitting room mm -hmm. with the plastic on there, you know, or they were, they were, <laughs> they were white and everybody was like, don't sit on the white couch, you know? And so what right. you end up doing is you end up like never even getting to enjoy the couch you never even get, mm -hmm. get to, you know, sort of embrace it for what it is and the good they can bring in your life, right? A couch, right? But, you know, I take a lot of naps. So maybe, you know, that's, that's, that's where <laughs> my mind goes is like, oh, that's a good napping couch. Um, and so, uh, so we end up, you know, like sort of setting that aside and not and holding on to it and being so anxious about somebody's going to spill something on the couch, right? Somebody's going to yeah, get it dirty. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get it dirty. And, and I don't want to do that. And so you end up like holding and getting so anxious about this couch, right? Um, and money is a similar way, right? We we don't want to, um, you can't take your money into heaven, right? That's like an obvious statement, but I think yeah. that it's, it's part of this analogy is, right? We don't want to hold on to our money and be so anxious about it and be so um, careful about protecting it that we're not willing to use it and um, help share that money, help share that wealth with others in a way that is going to make an impact and bring other people into a fulfill into a fulfilling life of Christ into a um, into a, you know their own personal journey whatever that is and so I think that you know uh, this what Henry Nowen is saying is like don't hold on to your money and don't try to protect it so much that it 
it it restricts you from yeah. living your life in a way that you can use that money for good. You can use that money to help others and you can um, give it in a way that is fulfilling to you, that brings life, that brings energy into your world and, to, and hope into your world. And then also blesses so many other people around, right? Like, don't say, get off my couch. I don't want you to spill on it with your money. You know, like use it in a way <laughs> that it prepares you for eternal life by releasing yourself of the anxiety mm -hmm. and the fear that comes with holding it on, holding onto it too tightly. That's awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and joining us. Uh, thank you for your, your friendship and collaboration in our, our projects and, and sharing your wisdom, um, you know, helping us with our own capital campaigns and, and our development work. It's been a joy um, both to have you on for this episode and to work with you. So thank you for all of that. Uh, to our listeners, you can find out more about Andrew, uh, all of his podcasts, including the the fundraising podcast through Petrus Development. Um, the links for that will be in the description in the show notes, and you'll be able to find more about Andrew and uh, the rest of his uh, consulting firm's work uh, through those links there. Um, to our listeners, uh, just a reminder that we have our retreats that are coming up. Uh, we have two retreats in the summer, our all-comers retreat in Philadelphia. Um, in the summer, I think we may be clo coming close to the final spots on that one, as well as our men's retreat in North Carolina that's taking place in August. So please check those out. We're excited to see our listeners in person and join in prayer and sacraments uh, during those retreats. Like always, like, subscribe, share, five stars, thousand stars, all the reviews uh, on every podcast platform that you can find. It definitely helps us out. Um, and if you would like to join us in support, um, you know, give your tithe to this project, please check out the Patreon link that is in the description in the show notes. Thank you so much for everything and listening and may God bless you.